What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption. I am your host, Matthew Potter. It's good to be back. Uh, thank you to Aaron for filling in for me last week. The show today, so that you guys know, is sponsored by Bateman Collective. If you are in real estate and looking for PPC help, reach out to Bateman Collective. They're going to go ahead and get you squared away. Real quick, we are going to go ahead and let you know how we break things down around here. We have five pre-selected questions, 45 seconds for each one of our panelists to go ahead and answer, and then two minutes to chop it up and give their best rebuttals. We're going to go ahead and start off with intros with Mr. Disruptor himself, Steve Trang. What's going on, guys? Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors. I'm glad Matthew is back with us here today. Uh, we focus on sales. We solve sales problems. And this week, we just bought closemarsales.com. Really happy we were able to land that. Let's see what we were able what we're able to do with that in 2024. Absolutely. Glad that you are adding to your addiction of owning website domains. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Next up, coming to us from York, Pennsylvania, we have EB Eric Brewer. Introduce yourself, boss. What's up, everybody? Happy to be back. I was out for a few weeks. Um contemplated coming back and then i found out leon was going to be here today so i decided to to go ahead and and, and come back in um especially since rj begged me um he wanted some type of competition on the show and uh so i'm just here i'm going to try and um perform like a tree today and uh i just hope that i can do a good job of, of being more like a tree those are my aspirations <laughs> It's going to be a great show today. I promise you it is. You guys really should have heard it before this. Next up, we have Leon. Don't forget the G. Barnes. Introduce yourself, boss. What's up, everyone? Leon G. Barnes. So happy to have the Varsity Squad back. In fact, I have a new writer, just so you know, Matthew. I, I refuse to be on this show unless the Varsity Squad is here. So that's my new writer, Green M&M's. And I only show up when, when the varsity is ready to go. Love it. And love that backdrop you got going on there, Leon. That is crisp and clean. That is Isn't nice. It? It's crisp and clean like uh, Eric's, uh, Eric's filthy down there. A absolutely. <laughs> last, last, certainly not least, coming to us from the great state of Texas, we have R.J. Bates the third. Introduce yourself. What's up, guys? RJ Bates III, the King Closer, um, and also the reigning champ of Pardon the Disruption live. Uh, Eric didn't even show up. He knew it was going to be so, so <laughs> dominated by me. And uh, I took last week off because we had a crucible. And I don't know what happened, man. The show fell apart. We had some high school dropout host come in with a LeBron <laughs> cup and I listened to the replay and it was the worst hosted show I've ever seen. So Aaron, I love you for what you do in the background, but excited to have Potter back here too. <laughs> that might be the first time that RJ Bates has ever endorsed me as a judge. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be back excited for this week. Let's go ahead and get started on question one. There's a belief that the elites are pushing for a world agenda where you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, where private ownership will be extremely difficult or non-existent. Do you believe real estate investors are helping with this belief by selling to hedge funds and accumulating massive portfolios of real estate holdings? Start us off, Steve. 
Yes, I, I, I do think that the people that are selling to funds are contributing to it. And uh, you and I had the a fortunate, uh, we were fortunate last year when we went to the IMN and we listened to all the hedge funds that own tens of thousands of properties. And they all said that in the future, homeowner, or the, was it the American dream no longer includes homeownership? Like that's what they said on the panel, right? Are we contributing to it? Absolutely. What do you want us to do about it? Like we have people to feed. We have people to take care of. We're going to make sure we're getting the income. We're generating the income necessary to run a business, to pay our organization, to pay our staff. So are we contributing to it? Absolutely. Unless something else changes, this is the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. There we go. Yes, I do remember that uh, being in that room and hearing that and being like, well, I guess that's what it's going to be. All right, Brewer, what about you? What are your thoughts? I don't know what that was. That was yeah, the wrong I mean, button. Dang. I like that, though. Is that the new buzzer? <laughs> For you, yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, anyway, uh, I would say, yeah, we're contributing. Um, if you believe that the World Order's goal is to um, force us to own nothing, but what are you going to do? Um, I think at the end of the day, your choice is to not sell to them. There's entire businesses that were selling to hedge funds, and without the hedge funds, they had no business. Um, they'd have to develop a new skill, um, like becoming a king closer like RJ, where you can sell to other people without selling to hedge funds. By the way, the third in his name, I know it's a little off topic. I just realized that has nothing to do with his family heritage. He's just projecting that it'll be three years in a row that he wins king closer. So it's hard to do three-time winner king closer back to back to back um but yeah we're contributing but you know such a small percentage i think the number last year of institutional transactions was like right around three percent um so we got a long runway left and i have a sneaky suspicion legislation will sneak in and they will try and in some way suppress hedge funds ability to to take away uh the dream of, of owning a home there we go. I like the, the deeper dive insight there, as always, from Brewer. All right. What about you, Leon? What are your thoughts? The Varsity Squad is back. Deep dive on RJ Bates' third on there. I love the start. Uh, and I also love this question. You know why? Because it's very clickbaitish. Uh, whoever came up with this, congrats um, to Eric's point there. This is it's a slow roll. The, the amount of properties that are owned by institutions is still uh, right around that 3% mark. The majority of homes are still owned by individuals that own one to four doors. So this is something that is going to be a long time um, to get to that point. And I do think the government doesn't want that. The government always uh, has always pushed home ownership for citizens makes for better communities. So I do think that you'll see some changes there. And quite frankly, I know a lot of investors are selling a lot less today than they, they were just this time last year to institutions. So uh, I think this is a little bit premature, but also like, like each of the other two have said, what are we going to do about it in this time frame? We're going to continue to sell where we can. There we go. All right. All right, King Closer, what about you? What are your thoughts? Well, like normal, I'm going to go against the grain here, and I'm going to say no, I don't think so. I think it's just how the narrative is spun. Um, I think there's a the flip side of that. Let's just take Eric for an example. 
he's big in novations. And what is he doing with those novations? He's turning those deals around and he's selling them to FHA borrowers that otherwise are struggling to find homeowner or homes to purchase, right? Um, out of all of the wholesale deals that we've done over the past 12 months, a very small percentage of them have gone to hedge funds. And that's uh, as us as being a nationwide wholesaler. Um, there's plenty of people out there that their sole strategy is to flip homes and not to sell them to hedge funds, it's to sell them to owner occupants. So I think you could, you could spin the narrative to say, sure, we're, we're helping fuel this fire. But the flip side of it is, is if you defend ourselves and you say, no, that's not necessarily the case with facts to Eric's point, 3% of the transactions were with institutional buyers. So no, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I don't think we are. RJ, by the way, to make you feel a little bit better, even though you did such a low volume of deals to hedge funds, I assure you, Steve did even less. <laughs> <laughs> deals total right like I, I know you were being modest there and it's like hey small percentage of deals we really didn't do many i assure you he did far less but to we on point i'll have to check the numbers uh oh <laughs> okay numbers. but the leon's point, you know in the past 12 months even just wholesale deals to, to hedge funds have significantly dropped off they have uh, like the the lowest hanging fruit hedge fund the wholesale to was sfr3 like 12 18 months ago they literally have a website set up where it's like just punch in the address it was part of our acquisitions process we're on the phone with a seller i'm on sfr3's website typing in the address to see if it hit their buy box they're not even buying anymore so i mean there's a lot of hedge funds out there that have slowed down and I think as we go into today's questions, we're going to see uh, how my answer kind of fits into what else is going on in the world. You know what the dichotomy might be there is that by inflation and raising rates, where a lot of people see that it's potentially hurt people's ability to buy homes, by pushing hedge funds out, it may have actually increased their chances of, of buying a home. Because, I mean, that's the only thing that changed. Why did hedge funds slow down? Rates went up and they bowed out. So uh, it's an interesting uh, philosophy there that uh, you have a couple things that appear to be working against the consumer, but that one thing actually helps them. I think the trend on the institutional side that does continue to increase um, doesn't affect home ownership. I think it's more apartment based if you look at from a percentage base and the, the amount of doors acquisition wise from a multifamily approach you see that more and that doesn't affect home ownership yeah we're glad you brought that of, up Leon. go ahead steve i was gonna say that other thing we saw uh not only were, were hedge funds buying a lot of homes but they're really big on built to rent right they're buying new build communities and they're building built to rent communities like they're they believe and they're they're very convincing that the future again for the american dream is does not include home ownership go ahead rj but that's their narrative. Of course, that's going to be their narrative. They're going to visit. We're going to buy them all, baby. They're not going to sit there and be like, we're only going to own 1%. Their, their, right. their mindset is, is, hey, in order for us to be what we want to be, we have to buy them all. Sure. But we're talking about like the narrative, right? If we're selling to them right now, we the reason why hedge, we're, wholesalers are not selling as many homes to hedge funds right now is because the spigot has been turned off. But once the spigot is turned back on, mm -hmm. I think this narrative <clears throat> continues to be true. 
Damn. Nice word uh, placement of the word spigot. I like Thank that. You. <laughs> yeah. you like that compared to finagle? You used finagle with me on like 11 times in a phone call. It was <laughs> it, it threw me off a little bit. We all know that RJ's favorite <laughs> word is unfettered, unfettered access. If you haven't if you haven't seen that reel, it's the greatest reel of all time. Um, Steve coming with the with the solid argument at the end there though about the fact that it's because the spigot's off. Like, let's be honest. If a fund was going to come in and pay 95% of ARV right now on any of your wholesale deals, would you sell it to them? Probably. So point to Steve on this one. Uh, excited to see what the answers are going to be today, though, because these questions, like RJ alluded to, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and dive. All right, question number two. Just like Sam Bankman's uh, trial of FTX's uh, fraud, how can people protect themselves from real estate fraud and schemes? Start us off, Steve. So I have the unfortunate experience of being named in a lawsuit in a transaction that I was in no way involved in any um, uh, whatever bad stuff that the guy was doing. Um, the best way to protect yourself is to make sure that if you're giving money to a real estate investor, that you have a lien recorded on the property. So we had this guy who gave this other investor 200,000 plus in private money with no lien on the property. And the guy was furious with everybody on this transaction because the investor let the property go to foreclosure because he couldn't flip it for what he wanted to flip it for. <laughs> and so he lost his 200K plus. And I feel genuinely bad, right, for the, for the guy that lost the money as a private money investor. Uh, but best way to protect yourself is to use the laws in place and follow those laws to protect yourself. Put your put your lien, put your interest on the property in a recorded record. There we go. <clears throat> Good answer from Steve. I feel like I almost was there for that one. Um, next up, Brewer, what are your thoughts? I would say <laughs> the key word there is fraud uh steve if the guy borrowed 200 grand and the agreement was not to put a lien there was no fraud there it was just an investment that went bad and that guy lost it happens all the time so while that sucks i don't see it as fraud um there's an example that's in the news right now that i'm actually um i'm a little bit of a hater if you guys watch the breakfast club it's a radio show that's been around for like 30 plus years oh, and boy. charlemagne and dj envy are just two of the worst like radio personalities I've ever met. They're uh, our <laughs> politics don't align, so um, they often have debates and dialogue that uh, I heavily disagree with. And DJ Envy has found himself part of a fraud scheme that he claims he knew nothing about. He went I actually commented on their Instagram page yesterday because he said that he's. He tried to teach people in his community real estate to uplift his community while charging $2,500 a ticket. And then he brought in all of these speakers and there's a guy named Caesar, which who would ever think that a guy named Caesar would be a fraud, right? <laughs> and Caesar took all of this money and committed fraud. And now DJ Envy's tied up in the fraud scheme because he sponsored this guy. He quote unquote, co-signed this guy. And they're saying he knew about it and he got paid 
and he was begging for forgiveness on the show yesterday, and it, it tickled my heart because I think the guy deserves everything that he's getting. So it didn't really answer the question, but Steve's answer was garbage, and I'm just happy that DJ Envy's getting in trouble. So take tickled that for my heart. Uh, tickles my I'm- heart. I love that Brewer brought this one in because as soon as I saw this question, it's immediately what I thought of. I thought of DJ Envy sitting there promoting this. I'm not a fan of that guy. He's he's Well, he's promoting it everywhere. That's the thing. He's promoting it, so that's why he's lumped into this right now. All right, next up, we're looking for for some insight, and there's the most insightful panelist we've ever had. Leon, go ahead and uh, give us your thoughts on this one. So I'm going to give you the insight, um, not statistical or anything like that, that I typically do. I'm going to give you a little insight on me today. So there's a couple things that I'm very fascinated by. History is one of them. Um, Another one is serial killers. Very fascinated by serial killers. Um, And I'm also fascinated by fraud. And I think all of those type of criminals, serial killers and fraudsters, those guys always leave crumbs, breadcrumbs and you can learn a lot by getting in the mind of serial killers and people that fraud others. There's a really good documentary on Bernie Madoff, mm. massive, massive Ponzi scheme, the largest in the history of the world, I believe, billions of dollars, never invested, a complete Ponzi. Um, I love researching. I watch a lot of American Greed and I watch a lot of those documentaries on frauds that have happened over the course of history. And I just look for those type of signs and do as much research on anyone I would ever give a dollar to. So I'm fascinated by it, which makes me do a lot of research and make sure that anybody that I'm ever investing with, I know as much as I possibly can about that individual. That said, what I've learned from watching all that history is that it's not 100% foolproof. You can still get got, do as much research as you can, um, just knowing that it's always not full, it's not always foolproof. Very nice, due diligence. The due diligence king. That's, uh, that's, that's gonna be Leon's new name. All right, what about, what about you, RJ? What are you doing? So to take Steve's answer, I'm gonna combat that with, um, there is a gentleman that is, <laughs> is currently facing um, charges by the SEC. Um, We're just going to call him, for the sake of not using his name, he was a doctor. We're just going to call him Dr. Justin, okay? So Dr. Justin um, put 40-something liens on one property that was worth about $40,000 in the Midwest, okay? (laughs) So, Steve, to your point, there are levers that you can take, but combining your answer and Leon's, you need to take it a step further and make sure your due diligence is done. Had any of those lenders pulled a title commitment on that, they would have seen, holy cow, there's 35 liens on this. I'm going to be in 36th position for my 40 grand. Like, maybe you're you're a fraud, you know? Um, so there is a level of, Hey, risk exposure, making sure you use the levers. I'm going to go back just for Eric. I'm going to say, hey, hedgehog concept. Same thing here. When you're, if you're going to be lending money out, make sure you're limiting your exposure by only having so many investments that are possibly going to put you at risk. Because to Eric's point as well, 
if you invest enough, you're eventually going to lose some money. So make sure you're limiting it as much as possible. So few things. First, thank you, RJ Bates, for being the first official sponsor for my title company. Yes, title <laughs> insurance is valuable, right? <laughs> B, I am very frightened now to hang out with Leon because all he does is spend time thinking about being a serial killer. I'm <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> uh, and, and, and number three, I'm worried now about giving Eric Brewer a platform because if anything happens, this is going to fall on <laughs> me. <laughs> Um, so, but you talk about Caesar, right? Cause, uh, unfortunately I've interacted with this guy and I've gotten to hear a little bit more about what he was doing and what he was doing is exactly what RJ just said. He was borrowing on one property nine times, not just borrowing money on that property nine times. He was borrowing money on that property after he sold it. Right. Oh, wow. So <laughs> getting liens <laughs> will protect you. In these circumstances, if you do a title report, so thank you, RJ, for for putting you know that, what, that bow on it. You know what? Also protect you, Steve. Having a friend like me that can point out any serial killer in the room—that's what. We'll <laughs> <have>. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say this: at in Tampa was the first time I actually got to meet Leon G. Barnes in person, and. He is frighteningly tall. Like, I mean, what are you, six foot four, six foot five? And he kind of looks down upon you. And I actually told Cassie afterwards, Leon kind of reminds me of a serial killer. So it makes sense there, Leon. In, in Leon's defense, RJ, lots of people look down on you. And, uh, it has nothing to do with the height. So that doesn't make him a serial killer. Um, oh, love it when the eight back point, together. Steve, Steve, you don't need, he didn't need title insurance. You don't need a title search would have revealed the nine leads, right? You didn't need the insurance. You just need someone to pull the title. So nice try, but usually title companies do that, but I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys do it differently in, in, in York. But insurance I, is the issue, not the title. It's the insurance. <laughs> You I appreciate Eric say. explaining to the owner of the title company how title companies work. <laughs> I often explain to the sales trainer how sales works, too. So it's no big deal. <laughs> We're just staying in that, that That's lane. That's it. I'm out of here. That's it. Oh. Wow. In the show on that right there. Okay. Yeah, the, I really kind of wish that was question five, six right there. I, I really uh, wish it was. All right. On that note, the best answer that actually, you know, for the question that we were asking was provided by Mr. Serial Killer himself, uh, Leon G. Barnes over there. Yes, you have to do due diligence at a exponential level. I don't know why he left, but okay. (laughs) Anyways, point point to Leon on that one. Let's get to question three. All right. Next up, we have. Real quick, since when did like question relevance become part of the scoring model? Because <laughs> you threw that in there. We, so, oh, you hey. actually asked the question. No. I just didn't know that was part of the no. rules. That now I know better. There we go. We're going to cut to breaking. We're going to sever Brewer over there. All right. Next up, question right. number three. With global conflicts rising recently, what would happen if the U.S. What would happen to the U.S. real estate market if there is a mainland war? Start us off, Leon. Nothing good. I mean. You look at the hour time frame, you know, on this planet in our life lifetime, 
there's been one attack on American soil and look what that did uh, to our economy at that given time in 9-11. Uh, the only other time that uh, U.S. soil was attacked was Pearl Harbor. Um, so it's been, you know, two times once in our lifetime that something like this has happened. So it becomes a black swan event and all bets are off. I mean, obviously all resources are cut to make sure that uh, we protect our citizens and defeat the enemy. So I, I, I can't think of one good thing uh, that would come from that. And uh, definitely for what we do, people obviously are going to need shelter, but from a, from a commerce standpoint of doing business, nothing good happens from that. There we go. Giving it to, giving it to us straight. All right. What about you, RJ? What are your thoughts? feel like this is a, a relatively obvious answer, so I just have to poke fun at Leon because we always say he's the most informed. Um, so, Leon, write these down, okay? Uh, the War of 1812, the Mexican-American War, the Mexican Border War, the Civil War, those are all attacks on American soil. I don't know if you were aware of those or not, but um, <laughs> I appreciate you saying there's only been two attacks, uh, Mr. Most Informed. I listen, obviously it's not going to be good. Going back to our first question, though, we're talking about these hedge funds, these institutional buyers. If this were to happen, the first people that are going to pull out of buying any piece of real estate are going to be those institutional buyers, I believe. Um, they would instantly curl up in their turtle shells and stop buying. But I think the whole world would, or specifically the United States, because We've never experienced anything like that outside of 9-11 and World War II. I mean, but you can't even really consider World War II. And we saw what happened in 9-11 to Leon's point. So I think it would come to a standstill. Lord be with us if it happens. I, I hope nothing ever comes close to that happening in our lifetime. But um, obviously, it's going to come to a halt. There we go. Two, vo two votes for nothing good. All right, Steve, what about you? What are your thoughts? I think that what would happen to the real estate values would be very similar to what happens with natural disasters, right? Like every time there's a massive earthquake in real estate or in California, all the real estate values go down and eventually it goes right back up, right? The property values in Houston after Hurricane Harvey, it all went down and over some period of time, it comes back up. I think long-term, it would be the same thing here. I think there'd be an immediate collapse in values, particularly with the collapse of infrastructure. But I think eventually, if you look at, if you to graph it out appreciation over time, I think it would eventually catch up. Like, I seriously consider, not seriously consider, I contemplate here and there, at some point investing in San Francisco. If it falls bad enough, it might make sense to invest in San Francisco because in the long term, eventually, it will be desirable real estate again. So I think that short term, it'd be catastrophic. Long term, it'll match the appreciation curve. <clears throat> So if anyone has any deals in San Francisco to sell, go ahead and send them over to Steve. Uh, he's a buyer apparently right now. We used to always say that the smell of cat piss was the smell of money for real estate, but in San Francisco, it's a little bit stronger. It yeah. Oh, it's stronger, all right. Human fecal matter smell, I guess, would smell like yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like the poop app. San Francisco <laughs> poop app. That, that's, when you know, that's when you know that your city is on point. All right, Brewer, what are your thoughts? This is even morbid to think about. So I, I try to compartmentalize this a little bit. The likelihood of a mainland war is as close to zero as possible. 
like nobody's coming up in here and it, like it's just not happening right like i think uh russia was exposed during their invasion of ukraine of how dysfunctional their military is like they should have taken over that country in three days um no one's messing with us like it's just not happening our military is uh, and even though it's been weakened recently unfortunately because of steve's president but it's it's drastically Whoa. better than everybody else's may there be a strike yes right but it's it's likely going to happen on one of the coasts it's going to be um you know in a, in a in a consolidated area um to steve's point it'll have a short-term impact um uncertainty and conflict is never good for real estate in the short term it's not good for any investment right like if you think about one word that will bring down the stock market it's uncertainty war leads to uncertainty so in the short term it will create opportunity and but over the long term regardless of war or covid real estate always goes up it historically always has um so what i would say is in the short term it will come to um a screeching halt which is hard to imagine because we're almost there now from transaction volume um values may come down a little bit but they will it will have an immediate bounce back at the instant that that uncertainty starts to subside um so i think it would create a unfortunately a massive opportunity but the likelihood of war happening here is unless i'm just ignorant uh, you don't have to nod your head either rj that that's just not going to happen it's not going to happen here there's no war happening here if anything we'll participate in a war somewhere else i think we have to be careful with that um confidence right that that will never happen because it doesn't take a whole lot right it, it doesn't have to be a missile it could be a hacker it could be someone messing with the electrical grid right it doesn't take a whole lot it doesn't have to be virus. yeah yeah there might be something where if you have to get tested to find out if you have it one of those things might happen again yep um so i mean that was a good rebuttal, especially coming from the guy that said the place to invest in real estate right now is San Francisco, and you also voted for Joe Biden. <laughs> I think we're like, going to have to have a conversation. Like, my attorney <laughs> is going to be reaching out to both of you two for this vicious slander. There's so, nothing more vicious you can say about me than that. I, I have a question because I do appreciate history, and I do appreciate the history lesson. I was talking about recent history of you know, our lifetime. So I do appreciate the history lesson, but I do have a question. In 1812, the US real estate market, I know was popping with wholesalers. Is that what <laughs> RJ Bates the first did? Was he the wholesaler back in 1812 slanging, slanging properties in Texas or the territory Ted. that is? No, nah, he was, he was still slinging shit boxes in York, Pennsylvania. <laughs> ragged, ragged wheels. The capital of the United States, baby. Speaking of shit boxes, I put up a TikTok video the other day. RJ would love this. I should have tagged him in it and said real estate terms. And it said like quaint. And what they really mean is shit box. And there was five of them. It got three and a half million views. What? Um, there were three and a half million views. It was like the code, the code words that real estate agents use, which is like developing neighborhood means ghetto as you know what. Quaint <laughs> means small shit box. Fixer upper means it's about to collapse. Good bones means it hasn't been painted since 1974. It went, it went bananas. I never like every five minutes I'd check it and it was going up a hundred thousand views. All right, real quick, since we none of us want to talk about a mainland war anymore, I, and Steve brought up San Francisco. <laughs> 
way back when we had a question on PTD about San Francisco, and I said my answer that I, I couldn't fix San Francisco because I couldn't be the mayor. I have bought two houses from a seller who watched my reel about that and said, I knew I wanted to sell to you because you hate San Francisco. <laughs> and I just had a student at the crucible that said, the moment I fell in love with you is the moment you shit all over San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, San Fran. <laughs> San Fran's good for business for RJ over here. Jeez. All right. So on this one, uh, you know, let's let's be honest. I think everybody agrees this is not going to be good for uh, real estate values as a whole if we are involved in a mainland war. I'm going to go ahead and see what's going on in our chat over here. Uh, we have R.J. Bates scoring the point. It's R.J. Bates. Uh, he's got a little pink moniker today along with Aaron hates this guy. So it's it's amazing. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you, when you insult the judge, bro, what are you going to do? All right. Next up, we're going to have, uh, what is this question four? All right, here we go. Uh, like Drake releasing his 10th studio album for all the dogs and seemingly still involved and influential in the music scene. What do you do to stay motivated and focused on your real estate career? Start us off RJ. Uh, my answer is going to be brought to you by Bateman Collective. Um, what do I do to stay motivated and focused? I mean, listen, I have two beautiful kids that um, every single day solely rely on me to go out and perform. What other motivation do I need than that? Oh, I walk in the door and I have a team full of people that rely on me to come in here and be at the top of my game every single moment um i look around and the people that i am surrounded by rely on me i need no other motivation than that to stay focused on what i'm doing because that is who we are as leaders we put ourselves in the position to say i promise that i'm going to show up and i'm going to give a thousand percent every day and that is what i signed up for i don't need any other motivation other than the people around me <clears throat> RJ with the motivational speeches. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts? Uh, so I saw a video. It was Tom Bilyeu and a CIA uh, recruiter. And he talks about how the CIA specifically looks for people that suffer childhood trauma, right? People that face a lot of adversity as kids tend to be broken. And those kids that are broken are constantly looking for a hole to fill. I would put myself in that category. I imagine some of you guys on this panel would as well. Right. So what drives me is this insatiable appetite to compete, to get better every single day. There are no there is no external motivation It's all entirely internal. And it's not necessarily real estate. I just have a will to win and dominate. So I don't have any external motivation. I am just wired <clears throat> to keep going to my detriment. Right. At times. Right. I might go too hard. So uh, there's nothing outside to, to motivate me. I'm just I think that childhood trauma is what. It's what program. So it's programmed us. There we go. <clears throat> Way to harness your trauma for good, Steve. We we appreciate it. Damn straight. Uh, all right, Brewer. What about you? This is a difficult question, I think, to get to the root cause of. I'll tell you, early in my career, admittingly, and I'm not proud of this, it was for admiration and relevance. Um, I would keep doing more because I thought that made me worthwhile. I thought that 
made my father proud. I thought it made, um, you know, me a, 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 an important person. Um, and then to RJ's point, you know, I think at some point in your life, some people maybe earlier than others, um, if you're fortunate enough to have children, for me, that changed everything. It was a pivotal moment in my life where I no longer wanted the admiration or relevance from anybody other than my wife and my children. Um, and that shifts, that looks different because what the outside world wants from you um, or we believe that it is, is much different than what people at home count on you for, right? They want you to be present. They want you to set a good example. They don't care what you wear, what you drive, where you live. They just want more of your time. So I think at the end, what, what now motivates, motivates me is human connection. Um, the day that I stopped driving or if I was Drake, that I stopped doing an album, that human connection goes away. Um, real estate and, and leadership and sales is my community. It's my tribe. Those are my people. And if I keep doing deals, I, re, I, I stay connected. Um, and then I, I've been in pursuit now of this sense of significance when I'm gone. And I think that's what Drake did potentially with his tent. He is probably the best of all time. Um, and it may take years for that acknowledgement to happen in, 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 in his craft. But he, he, may, he is now operating in significance where he will arguably be the best artist of all time. I think that's a question for another day. We'll go ahead and have that discussion on here. Um, all right, Leon, what are your thoughts? Steve hit on a point there that um, I think resonates with me. Um, you know, the government did some good things when I was a kid, uh, including uh, government cheese. Um, I think about government cheese because I never want to eat it again and motivated the hell out of me when I was a kid. Powdered milk and government cheese sandwiches. Those two things motivated the hell out of me and still continue to do so. And the fear of loss of going back to that uh, originally uh, is what motivated me to Eric's point. I just wanted to continue to make others proud. Um, but more importantly, I wanted to make something of myself beyond where I started. Um, now, as you continue to age uh, and new things come your way, I think the you, I know it's cliche, but you are who you surround yourself with. You know, the motivation that I get seven times a year within a community of the highest level real estate investors in the United States. And every time I walk in that room, I feel not necessarily inferior, but I feel motivated to keep up and continue to hit my goals and reset my goals. When you stay around goal-oriented people, it's hard not for that to, 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 to come to you as well from a motivational standpoint. It's, it's just yeah. it's fun to see. It's fun to watch. Yeah, and I think if you look at that room, I would, if you survey it, right? Like I think we, we did a survey at one point. I think like 40% of the room in the premier level are Mavericks, right? Which are high a super competitive and i think it's the same thing it's that there's a desire to win that's internal it's intrinsic but probably as a function of your childhood a function of your upbringing right eric's talking about for admiration and then he has the thing with uh, with the family and now he's looking at significance i think significance and admiration i think those are pretty closely intertwined and i think for rj you know taking care of your family i think that's absolutely important i think every a good man should want to take care of his family. But I would argue we don't need to do what we do today to take care of our family. I think there are a lot of things we can do to take care of our family besides taking a bunch of risk, buying a bunch of real estate, 
running operations, creating content. I think there are a lot of other ways that are easier to do to take care of a family. I, I, um, the Greatest Showman, right, with Hugh Jackman, there's a scene, right, where he goes off and he goes with take Jenny Lynn and does all these uh, the opera houses, whatever. And he kept saying, like, I'm doing this for my family. I remember having a conversation with my daughter about this. Like, he's lying to himself. He's not doing this for his family because his family wants him here at home. He's doing it for him. So well, when I'm, I say I'm sad, I'm sad that I didn't uh, appreciate Kobe Bryant more in his playing days. I was such a Michael Jordan fan that I just thought he was a uh, a, a clone, uh, a wannabe MJ. Uh, and the more that, um, thanks to my good friend Eric, has exposed me to the Mamba mentality, the more I can relate to it, the more that I understand where that, I, it doesn't take anyone else, it's in that internal fire that to continue, we do it for us first and foremost. Let's not lie to anyone to Steve's point. We do it for us. And then we work on the, as we continue to evolve, we work on the balance of making sure that that we're also doing it for others and giving more of our time, but it's 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 that it's very similar to the Mamba mentality. Well, let me let me dive a little bit deeper into my answer there, Steve. And I appreciate you bringing this up because when I say, "Hey, I look at my two kids, and and I'm doing this for them," um, it's because I look at my kids and I say, "Hey, if you're going to do it, be the best, whatever it is, Trinity. If you're going to go play hockey." Is this what you want to commit yourself to? Is this something that you're going to do where you really, truly want to be the best? Same with my daughter. And the example that I want to set, that competitive nature that you're talking about, Steve, you're right. There is a certain level of which I want to set the example for them because I want to look back at the legacy that I left and say, hey, I hung it all out there. I gave everything I could. I don't want to look back and say, hey, I still have half a tank left, but my body's given out on me. When I leave here, I want to say I gave everything I got to everything that I did and set that example for them. Same thing with my team. It's not just my family. It's everybody that's here. It's everyone that's ever attended a crucible. Anyone that's ever listened to anything I've ever said, I want to set that example for them uh, because I want them to say, hey, there's an inspiration of what I could be like. Right. But I look at that responsibility as important, but it's not. I wouldn't say that's the responsibility that drives us. I think the responsibility comes with it. I want to say it's what drives us, but it's not what drives me. Point, <clears throat> point on that one to Leon for sliding in government cheese. Like no joke. <laughs> like that. As soon as he dropped that biological warfare bomb into into PTD, I was like, yeah, no, it's that. That's where it's at right there. Um. <clears throat> Before we get to our next question, uh, gonna go ahead and kick it over to Steve for a um, announcement from our sponsor, Bateman Collective. Yeah, so guys, if you've ever ran PPC ads, you know what a headache it is and a nightmare to keep up with the constant changes. I used to run my own PPC campaigns, then I found Bateman Collective. I was relieved to find a PPC partner who actually understands the real estate industry and are true experts in PPC. Do what I did, get a free consultation with Bateman Collective, see how they can make PPC work for you and generate more leads for you. Go to batemancollective.com slash PTD and get your consultation. There we go. Thank you, Steve. All right. Next question. Going to be interested to see what y'all's thoughts are on this one. According to The Telegraph, mortgage defaults rise at the fastest pace since 09 as lenders warn of worst to come. Do you think that the worst is yet to come? Start us off, Leon. 
answer is so good, we're not even going to hear it. Yeah, I'm glad we <laughs> muted him. The answer is yes. But I gave you props on the very first question. On the very last question here, I am going to take those away because this is quoted from a UK newspaper. This is not a US newspaper. This is from the UK. This is European. This is England. So do I think it is? Yes. But is this article um, for Europe? Yes. Um, so yes, it will get worse. Okay. Do we feel that the rest of the world is ultimately not going to have an effect on the United States? Are you coaching through his answer now? Hey, yeah. hey, hey, relax <laughs> over there. All right, you know what? We'll put that one into the two minutes. Everybody could chop it up there. All right, RJ, what are your thoughts on this? I think uh, this week's questions are highly depressive. I mean, um, are, are hedge funds buying all of the real estate? How do you protect yourself against frauds? Uh, are we going to go to war? How do you stay motivated? And is the worst yet to come? <laughs> Bro, um, yeah, I mean, this is funny because uh, when you look at the trending topics, this is how we're getting these. Um, so the narrative is, is that institutions are going to buy all of the real estate and the American dream's going away. But according to this, Americans can't afford their houses anymore. That's why defaults are going up. So maybe the reason why the American dream is going away is because of another issue. And it really has nothing to do with real estate investors selling deals to hedge funds. Maybe it's because they're not making enough money to afford the, the appreciation and the price rises. So do I think the worst is yet to come? Yeah, I think the defaults are going to continue to rise. Uh, but we've been saying that since COVID and the forbearance and everything that's been coming along. So handwriting has been on the wall for this for a couple of years. There we go. RJ Bates, bring it, bring it in hot on uh, question five. All right, Steve, what about you on this uh, upbeat question? What are your thoughts? First, I want to apologize to my team for RJ's attitude towards my team. It's not their <laughs> fault. If they're watching what's happening in the world and it's depressing right now, damn it. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this, uh, like RJ said, this is kind of the trend we've, we've been expecting this, right? We, we keep wondering when the jobs report is going to change, right? Because you can't raise interest rates this many times in this such a short period of time and not have consequences. We are still waiting for the consequences. If this is the time it starts happening, then I guess this is the time it starts happening. But there will it will get worse. It has to. It cannot be the way it's been. It doesn't make any damn sense. Much like housing prices going crazy during COVID. Like, how much of this makes sense? So, eventually, there has to be hell to pay for all the money we printed and everything we've done. There has, there's a price that's going to have to be paid. Your president. The hangover. All right. <laughs> cease and desist. This is an official cease and desist on YouTube right now to RJ Bates III. <laughs> All right, Brewer. I'll give you like five extra seconds since, you know, I tried to coach uh, Leon over there. So, you know, what are your thoughts on this? I won't I won't need it. I'm going to use the first couple seconds to, to, to challenge my friend RJ's perspective. Rather than it being depressing, let's turn each one of these questions upside down. If the elite is really challenging and pushing towards a world order where they control the real estate, 
go out with a bang, sell them a shitload of property, make 10 million bucks a year and burn this MF or down. Number two, uh, if, it's, if you're worried about fraud, continue to do what you've done, like provide safe investments for people so they don't have to worry about fraud. They can just find the guy that shits all over San Francisco. Number three, the impact of global conflicts and U.S. real estate, it's an opportunity for you and all your hillbilly friends in Dallas to get more loose gun laws and go buy a bunch of weapons so that you can care for us and then stay involved in real estate, even though it was an emotional response. Um, you know, I, I thought your answer was actually inspirational. It should make you feel good about the things that you do. And uh, you do work hard for a reason, right? So I, I would challenge your perspective on that. Turn that upside down. And today wasn't depressing. Each and every one of those questions um, held an opportunity. Now, what's the actual question? Because I got completely off track there trying to cheer up RJ. What was the question? It's all a crock of you know what, right? Worse since what? Since zero? Like, yeah, when there was no foreclosures and forbearances were, were, were taking over, there was literally zero foreclosures for like almost two years. So, yeah, it's the worst it's worse than zero. Congratulations. It's definitely not anywhere near 2008 to 2012. And I can tell you in my market just how bad it is not. There was 140 sheriff sale foreclosures scheduled for the last sale. 90 of them were canceled. 90. And that's that, that happens almost each and every sale. Why? They either sold it. They've worked out a loan repayment plan. They're in a short sale, something. So I, I don't I mean, define what worse is. Yeah, it's the worst that it's been in the last four years, but there's no indication that it's going to reach what everybody talks about when they talk about rising foreclosures is in comparison to the recession of 2008, right? There's no way it's going to be anything like that. It's just there's no economic factors that would indicate that it's going to reach those levels in the near future. If it does, it's going to take 30 months for that to unfold. It's not going to happen overnight. Or a major event, right? Like war or something along those lines. This is something that um, you know we've been talking about. I think on this on this show for a long time now. I think the opportunity, as to Eric's point earlier, the opportunity is to know that that's coming. You can't necessarily predict it, but you should be prepared for what's coming. That's quote unquote worse than what it has been. I think that's my point. We've been talking about it for a year and it still hasn't happened. <laughs> so it just stays at the top of trending topics because what we're not talking about is how bad foreclosures are. Even though 11 months ago, they were supposed to be the worst that they've ever been or the worst was yet to come. Um, it's probably a distraction from something else so the new world order can make us all beg for forgiveness and live in poverty. But that's a, that's a different show. I'm sorry. I, I thought your whole point was you were breaking down wholesaling 2.0, the brewer method. I'm going to save all of you guys 10 grand right now. If you're a listener, we're going to buy your house and we're going to sell it to a hedge fund and make $10 million a year. And never down. I yeah. thought that was what the plan was. Part of it. Should be. If it isn't. Wow. Uh, um, I'm definitely not mad at that round. Um, I love that Brewer broke down a five-part miniseries on how to cheer RJ up. Like that, that in and of itself got to be worth like at least 
a point. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give Brewer two points for that because he put some extra effort into it. Even I with the, gave him the standing O. I mean, that, yeah, was, even, that was well thought out. He, I mean, he went for it. There, there was no hesitation there. All right. Question number six. I guarantee you, you guys are going to like this one. I can't wait to see the answers on this. All right. Uh, this weekend, Logan Paul and Dylan Danis are fighting in a celebrity PPV uh, match. Which real estate personalities would you pay to see in a PPV fight? Start us off, bro. I checked out. Read the question again. Someone texted right. me, and I was I was doing a Harvard job. I I have a habit of tuning out when you talk. I apologize. Yeah, it, <laughs> hey, don't worry. The feeling's mutual. All right, take his points. Give them to RJ. Uh, which late. real estate personalities would you pay to see in a pay per view fight? I'm gonna just answer with no explanation because I think it adds to the mystique. I would go with a tag team match. <laughs> Jesus. RJ. Nah, just RJ versus Ryan Pineda. <laughs> oh my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Next up, Leon, who, who are you going to put into this pay per view? I was going down the same path uh, because they both, I had seen them both compete for followers. So I was going down the path of Ryan Pineda versus my man, King Kong. So, but those two, they've got a lot of followers like Paul, right? But those two in the ring, they're both featherweights. It's perfect. I don't think Pineda would appreciate the featherweight comment. <laughs> All right. What about you, RJ? Who who are you pay who are you paying in this one? If you follow Pineda, you know he's doing TRT therapy right now. He's gained sixteen pounds in the past ten days. So Okay, so he's bantam weight. Yeah, he, he's up to like buck forty after he takes a shower. Good for you, Pineda. I'd love that. Just so you know, if me and Pineda ever actually got in a ring together, I would literally slap the hair dye off of him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Um, if I could pay for any fight between two real estate investors, I'm going to put myself in there because I want to fight Carlos Reyes and take all of my anger towards him for 2020 Closers Olympics. It still lives inside of me, Carlos. Hey, me and you, baby. I'm going all in on you. That's it. Me and Carlos. Oh, man. All right, that Steve. What about you? That last sentence could definitely be taken out of context. But now we know what actually drives RJ. Is that 2020 close Olympics? So at first I was gonna say, I was gonna say RJ and Carlos, but then I was thinking, no, I actually want RJ to get hurt. So it'd be RJ versus Steven Morales, because that oh guy actually God. trains to be a boxer. But we're gonna go back to question number two. It'd be Caesar Pena and Tony the Closer, because if you watch what these guys are saying on social media, they hate each other just absolutely hate each other they're making videos about each other non-stop so i think I, I would actually pay i would pay to watch that fight i don't know rj you paying attention to what they're doing what they're saying online i'm not but could you imagine if steve train got in the ring against whoever it was that sent him 
the uh, lawsuit that he wasn't even a part of the transaction. I think we called him Dr. Justin earlier. If it was Dr. Justin versus Steve Train, imagine that. You should, Steve, you should start. Does anybody know who Bradley Martin is? He's a podcaster from like Canada. He's part of like the Melk Boys, if you follow them at all. Um, anyway, he does this weird thing. He has a lot of UFC guys and boxers and athletes. And he'll just go, all right, like seriously, who wins in a street fight, me or you? <laughs> <laughs> and his, his, his answer is always like he asked this to like featherweight boxers all the way up to like middleweights. And his answer is always, I'm do, I'm 260 though, bro. Like he's not a trained fighter. And he'll ask like trained fighters and they're like, oh, dude, I'd kill you. Like I'm, I'll snap your neck. Like I will literally kill you. And he's like, but I'm 260 though, bro. You should do that, Steve. You should tell him, like, oh, Steve, I, I would kick your ass. And you could say, yeah, but I train. What is it? What do you do? You do martial arts, right? Yeah. So that yeah. made me you think. Start as we started that in your podcast. We were talking about featherweights and bantamweights earlier. It made me think about heavyweights that we know. Like, can you imagine um, formerly on the show, Mike Moulton versus, like, Chris Iman from cool. Phoenix. Like, if you really – there's some big dudes that we know in real estate investing. We could do the whole heavyweight, uh, cruiserweight, middleweight. We could have a battle royale if we needed to. Can we yeah. Can we just give some, like, honorable mention answers here? Eric being the novation guy. I would say Corey Geary, but he retired and now he does crypto. So we could say Eric versus Richard Wonders, the Novation King. That would be like the Novation battle. Nice. Steve, Steve we need another mediocre podcaster. Who would that be? Um, RJ? Yeah. We'll, we'll just oh, go with mediocre. Me and Steve. And then Leon, we need another like mastermind right hand person. The only one I could think of is, is Christina Krause. So Leon versus. <laughs> She's biting your kneecaps, bro. You're done. If you've ever seen Christina compete at anything, you want no parts of Christina. None. <laughs> Zero. I think it would be fair to put Leon against Matt Andrews. I think that would be a more fair fight. I, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Leon's, watching class, Leon's watching I, his words. Leon's watching his words. <laughs> Mr. Classius doesn't want to say anything that's going to get him in trouble. Listen, if you know anything about fighting, I'm always going to take the guy that ate government cheese sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be his first fight. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, he's bionic at that point. Got, and Matt Andrews wears vans all the time. So historically, those guys are not great fighters. The state, <laughs> the state, the state community is not historically good with the hands like they're just they're not able to throw yeah, tony, down tony hopkins not, tony no, government, cheese, celebrity fights. Yeah. government cheese over skateboarders all day oh, I, I thought of another mediocre podcast host steve and brent daniels there you go Two of you, <laughs> biceps i do think it would be good though to have maybe with before caesar and tony is like the opening one it would be carlos and rj and the second would be carl rj and steven morales that's 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 the order I would have it. How about me versus DJ Envy? <laughs> you just want to fight him. <laughs> yeah, I'm in on that one. Let, let's and go. I'll warm, I'll warm up with Charlemagne as like just like a little light sparring match. All right. If this video goes viral, it'll be, it'll be because of this particular round. The, I told you this question was going to be good. Um, 
I also I'm I'm a little upset that nobody came with Steve versus Jimmy Vreeland. You know, martial arts. You got kung fu versus jujitsu. Yeah. Like, come no, on. We didn't want to send Steve to slaughter. I mean, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I will. Killer. I will fully disclose. Right. I will never fight a guy that does jujitsu in a contained environment. That is just bad news. I will lose in a contained environment. I'll add one this. You should never fight someone that if war did break out on U.S. soil that you would go to his place. You should not fight that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get in the car and drive me straight, straight to St. Louis. Absolutely. Straight to Jimmy's. For keep, sure. me, keep me That's safe, the, Jimmy. There, there's, there's been a war in St. Louis for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why the houses that RJ points out are $18,500. Wow. Don't get me started on St. Louis. I had some running with some St. Louis You guys Paris talk Field. about York. Like, people in St. Louis hope one day they can move to York, Pennsylvania. <laughs> who, who wins between Max Maxwell and Chris Jefferson? Ooh. Chris. I think Chris has more uh, life experience. Oh, my God. Just so little words and just so much weight behind it. <laughs> Look at the laughter that's the life had. experience. Different <laughs> different type of weight. See, and we were talking about heavy and light weights earlier. I like it. Full circle. Uh, oh man! All right. So on that round, gonna give that one to RJ just for slapping the hair dye off Pineda. I mean, that had to be one of the greatest <laughs> responses of all time. So, um, you know. RJ wins today because he stole Brewer's points because Brewer apparently just doesn't want to listen to me. So, you know, I'm, I'm really sad about that. Uh, you know, that being said, it's good to be back. I am happy to be here. Uh, feel this was a great show. The Varsity Squad definitely showed up today. Um, lo love spending the time uh, with everybody and with our uh, people that are watching. We're going to go ahead and do some outros. RJ, say bye to the people. Yeah, so uh, excited to, to win another one. Not shocking since CJ wasn't here and there pretty much wasn't any competition. Um, Potter, we're excited that uh, you survived the entire episode. Um, oh, I should watch my words. I said survive. I, I'm sorry, man. I'll work on that for next episode. That, about uh, to move those points to Brewer, bro. <laughs> I'm already one. You can't take them away. Uh, no, but uh, love being here. Always a blast. Uh, appreciate you guys. Awesome, awesome. All right, Steve, say bye to the people. Steve Trang, thanks you guys all for watching. And just disclaimer, I am in no way affiliated with Eric Brewer. <laughs> but you did vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brewer, say bye to the people. Uh, yeah, today was fun. Um, I'm reminded at the end of today's episode, even though there was a lot of laughs about the importance of significance and human connection. And uh, thanks, RJ and Steve, for reminding us the balance of uh, taking care of the people we love and being around to take care of the people we love. There's two different things, the balance between going out and earning beyond what's required to take care of them. And at some point, they want more of our time. And then in the words of my late friend, Scott Smith, I am out like a boner in some sweatpants. <laughs> Jesus <Wow>. Christ. <laughs> and that's it right there. Okay. Wow. And, and we're going we're gonna to finish, uh, we're gonna finish on a high note over here. Leon, say bye to the people. <laughs> Let me class it up a little bit. I'm so classy until that last line. Uh, first of all, RJ, 
Uh, Matt, I don't care if he had you know some health issues or not. You got to treat him like you normally treat him. Be real. Like Matt appreciates when you're real with him. It is good to have you back, Mr. Potter. Good to have the A team back uh, as well. Um, always, always a blessing to be here. Um, one thing I will end with is this: outside of Eric making fun of uh, things in the background that none of you can see, is find things that give you energy and don't take them away. I get energy from this podcast, from this show, every single week. Always a pleasure to be here. Something gave Brewer a lot of energy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's I'll a little a blue pill. pill. Take a pill before the show. <laughs> Woo, looks like it just kicked in. <laughs> All right, everyone. To Leon's point, yes, this show gives us energy. We love this. We love spending this hour with everybody uh, weekly. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. Have a good one. Oh, boy.